Hello, baseball fans. Welcome to Sully Baseball Daily, the podcast we talk about baseball 365 days a year, unless it's a leap year, and then we're going to do another one. I've been doing this every single day since October 24th, 2012. It's now the 21st day of October 2016, and I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. I'm recording this from the Sully Baseball Studio in Palo Alto, California, the birthplace of Oakland A's manager Bob Melvin, and just down the 101 from AT&T Park, the home of the San Francisco Giants. It's funny. I, I, you know, I can't remember if I said this the other day, so forgive me if I'm repeating myself, but I drove past AT&T Park on, I believe it was, yeah, it was Wednesday night. I was in San Francisco. I was having dinner with my family, and... Everyone, it, everyone sort of came in different cars because everyone was coming from different places. And so I was near City Hall, and I drove up and around, and I drove past AT&T Park. And AT&T Park was dark. It was empty. Nothing going on there. And while I was driving past it, I was listening to the final inning of Game 4 of the National League Championship Series. And it occurred to me that if the Giants had won that series, and that series was in their reach to win, they lost two one-run games and one which they had a three-run lead in the ninth. They held on to that three-run lead in the ninth and sent it to game five with Johnny Cueto pitching against John Lester. Uh, you know, the Cubs probably win that game, but it would be really tight. And you may have seen the Giants sneak past there. And if that had happened, the league championship series would have been between the Giants and the Dodgers. It would have been the first time that they had faced in a true National League championship series. Of course, they had faced in a playoff for the pennant in both uh, 1951 when it was New York and Brooklyn, 1962 when it was Los Angeles and San Francisco. But this would be the true National League championship series that they would be facing off in, which has never happened before. It would have been one of the most incredible electric moments in the history of the rivalry between the Giants and the Dodgers. And it would have been the Giants saying, yeah, we, you know, we win World Series, even year, all that stuff, and the Dodgers having to prove themselves. All these different things would be happening. And alas, it was a silent park. Nothing was going on. Because the Giants couldn't hold on to that lead. The Giants' bullpen woes finally did bite him in the ass. And so it was a dark park, and it was the Cubs clobbering the Dodgers in game four. And it just struck me. It was a dark moment, what could have been one of the great moments in the history of that rivalry. But, alas, it didn't happen. And fans of the Giants will have to be content with winning three World Series in a decade. Uh... Every ballpark's dark tonight with the Cleveland Indians taking care of Toronto. There's no game this Friday. And if Chicago wins tomorrow night, then there'll be no game on Sunday and Monday. I mean, there'll be potentially many days of no ball games. In fact, wait, when does the World Series start? I, I think it starts on, does it start on Tuesday? Let me find that out. Yeah, so Tuesday. So if there is a Game 7 between Chicago and Los Angeles, and I believe there will be, 
the there will be only one day in between the f- game seven of the National League Championship Series and game one of the World Series in Cleveland. I think that's pretty cool. But every team is dark tonight, and so this is uh, this is kind of one of those moments where you look around and go, what do we do? You know, there's a lot of momentum going on there. What do we do? At least we know we got some baseball this weekend. Well, one thing that I want to do is I want to take advantage of talking about who I would give some of the award. Now, I, I personally believe that if there should be a postseason award show, and I've talked about this before, but it should be, you know, I think it should be that day after the wild card game. But you know what? Have it be game one of the World Series. If we have, like, three finalists for each one of the awards and you have, you know, you can invite them all to game one of the World Series and you'll probably have one or two of the players who are finalists playing in the World Series. And that way it's announced, you know, like let's say it's game one of the World Series, boom. And we have the three finalists for MVP in the American League, MVP of the National League, Cy Young Award, Manager of the Year, um, Rookie of the Year. Maybe there's something else. I don't know. But uh, maybe the Clemente Award. I don't know. But you have that before game one of the World Series. And so there's an added bit. of It's part of a pregame ceremony. And so if you have the Cy Young Award winner playing for one of the teams or the MVP playing for one of the teams or the Rookie of the Year or Manager of the Year or whatever, um, they get to win their award and sort of get it and wave to the crowd and everything like that. I think that would be a fun thing to do. I mean, I've always been a favor of having a show. I mean, having an award show. I mean, award shows do well. People watch damn award shows. They, they, like, they like to see awards, and they like to see celebrities, and they like to have, you know, there's a chance to see a musical number, to have a, a funny MC and everything like that. For God's sakes, as I said before, they turn the ESPYs, which is nothing. It, it was a parody of award shows into something cool. Imagine handing out the Cy Young Award and the MVP, something where there is a built-in interest in it and have everyone who wants to hobnob with baseball players in there as well. I, you, can, you can do it. And you can have, you know, Latin stars in there as well and have them bring in a, a different kinds of audiences. It's, it's, it's be, it'd be a fun thing to do. But um, what I kind of want to do is tell who I would give the awards to. And I'm probably going to get some people disagreeing with me. And there's one very specific one that I think people will might throw tomatoes at me, but I have good reason for doing it. And this is my podcast. This is what I can do. I can say what I want on my podcast. Um, and I kind of like to sort of, first before I do this, I'll bring up who owns baseball. And I had my final tally of who owns baseball. And I talked about this on a previous podcast, but I found it interesting that when I go through the year and I say, okay, who who owned baseball this day, who owned baseball that day, who got a half wob, who got a full wob, when we add them all up, two of them coincide with, you know, like, okay, yeah, that's probably the top one of this and top one of that. And then two kind of caught me off guard. Like, I knew they had fine years, but, you know, to be sitting on the top of WOB, uh, I thought was, was interesting. Uh, and I think it, 
some of it goes, there's one specific one that I think goes to the fact that they were consistently good on a lousy team. And the other is that, you know, they may not have put up the best uh, year statistically, but they always seem to put up huge numbers in the, uh, you know, in, in in big moments. So anyway, let's, let's go here for a second. For the, the American League, okay, first one is the National League hitter. This is one that kind of surprised me, that, in the end, it was Freddie Freeman who finished with an eight and a half wob over Nolan Arenado with seven and a half, Daniel Murphy seven, and Chris Bryant at six. You know, and that's that struck me as a little bit strange. I mean, Freddie Freeman of the Atlanta Braves had a had a very very good season. There's no getting around that. It just struck me odd. They're like, wow, he had the highest wob and I think a big reason was is that he put up really good numbers a lot of times in Braves losses and that will that will increase your that will increase your wob total um I think that Miguel Cabrera who got the American League batter was the recipient of just again had another terrific year all-round offensive numbers and you know game in and game out hitting the snot out of the ball and maybe no longer a triple crown threat, but certainly a terrific offensive player. Uh, the two pitchers, Corey Kluber just ran away with it. I mean, he just picked it up, put it under his arm and ran. Uh, in the, the cl- he had 12 wob. The next closest was seven and a half. I mean, that's just the widest disparity. Uh, and the, the late Jose Fernandez, had 10.5 WOB over Clayton Kershaw's 10 and John Lester's 9. Every year I've done who owned baseball. I've done it for 2013, 2014, 2015, and now 2016. For the first three years, Clayton Kershaw got the highest WOB each time, and this year he lost it by half a point, and he was injured for a bunch of years there, a bunch of, <laughs> a bunch of months there, sorry. So there, I've gone over that before, but it's interesting. I'm going to compare that with who I would actually give the awards to. Um, and the Corey Kluber is my, who I would give the American League Cy Young Award to. Um, I, I think there's some, there are some very good candidates. Um, uh, I think Verlander and Kluber are the two that I think are the, the, the biggest contenders. And I just think that, um, Kluber had the best and most consistent season of the starting pitchers out there. Uh, I know there's going to be a lot of people who would want to have, um, you know, as this as the Cy Young Award winner from Baltimore, Zach Britton. Uh, and you know what? I, I'm not one of these people who says that a reliever can't win the Cy Young Award, and Zach Britton certainly is a, a, a difference-making reliever. Uh, he just, to me, he, and he had a wonderful season. If he does win the Cy Young Award, I won't pick up pitchforks and go out and chasing people. Uh, and certainly everyone wanted him in the game, and, except for Buck Showalter. But in the end, uh, I, I would just give it to Kluber. I just felt that he had the most value. I thought he had the best all-around season, the most consistent season. And... If you want to add any of the narrative to it, um, I think if it comes down, I think the narrative of pitching a team into the postseason really only comes to 
pass when it's razor thin. I think it was razor thin between Kluber and Verlander. And Verlander was great down the stretch and nearly did pitch him in. So, I mean, I actually don't even think that that's the main issue. I just think that Kluber, I liked his season the most, and it's who I pick. If it winds up going to Verlander, I'd have absolutely no issue with it. Uh, if it winds up going to Britain, I wouldn't protest that. It wouldn't be my pick. Uh, but, you know, I think it's almost a coin toss between the two of them. And uh, I personally give it to Kluber. The one that's probably going to get some people not agreeing with me is I am going to agree with who owns baseball and give the Cy Young Award to Jose Fernandez. Now, is this because he died? Partially. Partially. Um, I think that he ha- was having a terrific season. Highest strikeout per nine innings. Um, just across the board, tremendous numbers. It's not like I'm picking a chump. It's not like I'm picking someone who had a bad year. I'm picking someone who struck out 253 batters in 182 in the third innings, won 16 games to a 2.83 ERA, and FIP of 2.30, an ERA plus of 139, walked only 55. Um, all these different things are just tremendous numbers that he put up and pitched in a superbly dominant fashion. Now, you could make the case that it should go to, maybe it should go to Scherzer, maybe it should go to Kershaw, um, you know, maybe Cueto. My my emotional answer to that is, and I, th- I actually think Scherzer's going to wind up winning it, but my emotional answer is Scherzer's won a Cy Young, and he may very well win another. Kershaw's won multiple Cy Young, and he's probably going to win another. We'll never have another season of Jose Fernandez. He's gone. And he had a Cy Young caliber season this year, and I would give it to him. If you disagree with me, I totally understand. Was there emotion attached to this? Yeah, Probably. Probably, and uh, I don't see that as a bad thing. I would give it to him. It's my podcast. If you disagree with me, fine. Uh, I totally understand, but, you know, what are you going to do? American League MVP is Mike Trout. Let me repeat that. The American League most valuable player is Mike Trout. And I'm saying this as someone who's a Red Sox fan and know that you could make the argument for Mookie Betts or you can make the argument maybe for Ortiz. You could make an argument for Altuve. You can make an argument for Donaldson. But Mike Trout's the best player in baseball. He's the most valuable player because if you put him on your team, he brings the most value of any player out there. He's just overall the best player. And I am not going to penalize him because his team sucks. I'm not going to penalize him because, well, you know what? Why why is he less valuable than Mookie Betts? Because the Angels' bullpen is terrible. What? That doesn't even make sense. I am going to give the award to the best player in the league who, if you had a chance, using just the stats of this year, saying, who would be the first player you would pick? Who would bring the most value to your team? 
You would pick Mike Trout. If you picked someone else, I'm going to pick Jose Altuve. Why are we going to pick him over Mike Trout? Well, because uh, there's no one batting behind him. No, 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 no. It's not the most valuable person with someone batting behind them. You know, if you had someone, if they were, again, if it was neck and neck and the, the stats are identical and one of them hit the game-winning home run to send him into the postseason, I can understand that. But Mookie Betts, down the stretch, had one of his worst months. Jose Altuve didn't hit the uh, Astros into the playoffs. Josh Donaldson slumped in September. So the whole notion of they carried their team to the playoffs doesn't wash. Mike Trout's the MVP of the American League. I, I, if you disagree with me, I, I suppose that's your prerogative, but I don't get it. I just don't get it. Uh, the MVP of the, American, the National League is Chris Bryant. And, you know, it, he's a great player. He's shown his value. Now, you could, you know, if you use the whole, you know, it isn't because the Cubs won 100-some-odd games. Because if you use the whole, well, if you take him out, then where would the team be? Well, if you took out Chris Bryant, then they'd probably win 90-some-odd games and probably make the postseason anyway. Chris Bryant had the best offensive season, was the best overall player in the National League. And for that reason, I give him the MVP. If someone had a better all-round season, if someone had a better, you know, I'm not going to give it to Freddie Freeman because I don't think he had the better all-round season than Chris Bryant did. So I think he's a pretty cut-and-dry choice for that. Um, the Rookie of the Year, you know, there were a bunch, I mean, What's his name? Sanchez in New York was great for the second half of the season. But I have to lean towards someone who did it for the full season. Because there have been many times you see a rookie come out, guns ablazing, and then tail off. But if someone has a good, complete season as a rookie, then you got to give it to him. And that's why I give it to Michael Fulmer, who had a very good season from top to bottom for the Detroit Tigers. And in the National League, it's, I mean, it's Corey Seager. I mean, if, if anyone says a name other than Corey Seager, I, I don't understand how your brain works. I mean, he, Seager had an MVP caliber season for Los Angeles, and he is going to be the next big star. He already is the next big star for the L.A. Dodgers. Now, the manager of the year is, I mean, one of them seems pretty cut and dry. I mean, of course, Joe Madden is a great manager, and he won the manager year last year, and is probably going to go to the Hall of Fame, especially if he can lead the Cubs to the World Series. But Dave Roberts had so many injuries on this team. Like, he went through so many different players. He never was able to use the same rotation three times in a row. There were people up there who I could... I, would follow Dodger games pretty closely. I didn't know who the people were half the time. And the minute that Clayton Kershaw went down to injury and the Dodgers were trailing the Giants, everyone thought, well, that's it for that. The Giants are going to win the division and win it handily. And instead, the Dodgers wound up passing them and winning the division handily on their own. The amount of juggling 
that he had to do with a depleted starting rotation, a depleted pitching staff, and a carousel of people in the lineup to win the division and do it without much suspense at the end? That's Dave Roberts. No offense to Dusty. No offense to Joe Madden. No offense to Bruce Bochy, who all did fine jobs. They did. But this was Dave Roberts. Now, the American League is interesting because, you know, Bannister had the uh, Rangers with the best record in baseball. And John Farrell had the team, the Red Sox, go from last place to first place. Both admirable. And it has to be Terry Francona, though. It really does. And, of course, this has nothing to do with the postseason. It's not a postseason award. It's a regular season award. But when you look up and you see your team lose your number two starter, lose your number three starter, lose an outfielder to performance-enhancing drugs, lose another outfielder to injury, that he basically had to have a brand-new outfield and play people who were not exactly having career years. And to do that and have the Indians in a competitive division with the defending world champion Royals and a Tigers team that was getting good pitching and good hitting. And to put that all together and win the American League Central without much suspense, it's got to be Terry Francona. And Francona would get his second Manager of the Year award. Of course, they'd be both with Cleveland and not with the Red Sox. So that's who I'd give the awards to. And I think they should be handed out before game one of the World Series in a ceremony in Cleveland. I don't think that's asking too much. I don't think that takes a lot of imagination, even though I have quite an imagination. So anyway, a little something to chew on on this off day. Who would get the hardware from your pal Sully if I were the only vote? So, let's play ball tomorrow. Big, huge game. Cubs, Dodgers. Um, look, and I know Cub fans out there, including Club, Cub fan with an eight, are going to be rooting hard for the Cubs. You know I want a big, I want a game seven. And you know what? Even if you aren't a Dodger fan, you're just a baseball fan, even if you are kind of pulling for the Cubs, don't you want to see a game seven? Don't you want to see that stage? The Dodgers, the Cubs, Wrigley Field, winner goes to the World Series. Wouldn't that be fun? Wouldn't that be a cool thing? We'll see. And guess what? On Monday, I'm going to be celebrating the fourth anniversary of the Solid Baseball Daily Podcast. That should be fun, too. So, uh, no one owned baseball yesterday. That's why I went through a bunch of awards here. Go to SullyBaseball.com, like me on Facebook, Twitter, and iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, Twitter, Stitcher, Instagram, I'm everywhere. The music is by Ted Thacker and Patrick Kaliski. Handing out the good stuff and the trophies. This has been the Solid Baseball Daily Podcast for, what the hell day is it? It's the 21st day of October 2016. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. <laughs>